hey everyone! Welcome to episode 118 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a younger landscape photographer who is absolutely crushing it, Taylor Gray. Taylor is a photographer and college student working on a degree in marketing, living in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Taylor and I covered a lot of fun ground this week, including his journey as a landscape photographer, intimate versus grand scenic landscape photography, changes in social media and how that has impacted his motivation, maximization of photography trips, and college and landscape photography. Over on Patreon, Taylor and I had a great time dissecting and discussing his photography from Death Valley National Park, which ties really well into the conversation we had about intimate landscape photography. Speaking of Patreon, I wanted to thank our newest patron, and also I would argue they have the coolest patron name. They signed up as Thunderous Wanderer. (laughs) Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. Really appreciate it. All right. Let's get to the show. All right. Well, Taylor Gray, it's so cool to have you on F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a... I've been an admirer of your work for a while now. I feel like you're a pretty young dude, but you've got a really cool body of work already, and it's exciting to see some of our up-and-coming youth, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, hitting hitting the scene and and producing some really cool stuff. So congrats on that. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been following the podcast for a while, so it's definitely an honor to, to be a part of it. Good deal, man. So maybe uh, for the benefit of our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and and then maybe talk a little bit about uh, kind of what got you into landscape photography. Sure, yeah. So um, I am 20 years old. I'm currently a senior at Oregon State University. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, and for the first 17 years of my life, and then I kind of got, you know, a little restless and decided I wanted to change in scenery and uh, moved up to Oregon for school. Yeah, it was actually when I was 14 years old is when I got into photography. And uh, I just remember um, it was probably a year before I got in. I just I just had this like kind of not empty, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll say empty feeling inside where I was still doing like regular, you know, normal teenage activities like playing on a club soccer team and skateboarding with my friends, um, playing the drums in the, in the school jazz band. Um, but there was just still something that I was kind of felt like I was missing, you know, like creatively. So I guess it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school. Uh, I went on a two week backpacking trip in the Colorado Rockies and I brought my dad's Nikon D5100 along. And at the time, I was just kind of uh, just a kid fooling around with this crazy, expensive piece of equipment. I have no idea what to do with it. Um, <laughs> just pressing random buttons. Uh, but basically, <laughs> that was the start of it. I came back with 2,000 images, which I thought was a lot of images at the time. You know, most of them were just simple snapshots. 
but it was actually just to me it was just like magical like i don't know it was it was the feeling is kind of indescribable so after after i came back i I, I put the camera down for a while and my mom actually ended up getting a camera. This is the Nikon D7000 now. And so I, that's when I picked it up again and really started to kind of fool around with it and started taking different still life pictures and pictures in the backyard of, of anything and everything. And it just gave me like this really just this sense of joy. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I just really connected with the craft. And so from then on, I was hooked and I would come home every day after school and really just research anything I could on certain uh, photos I would see online or on the internet. I'd be like, I really want to know how to take that type of photo. So I'd, I'd research YouTube tutorials and anything that was available to me and just spend hours just browsing. So that was basically how I got into it. And um, it, it kind of took off from there. But when you did your trip to the Rocky Mountain National Park, what kind of uh, scenes did you find yourself drawn to? Yeah, that's a good question. So basically, it was it was a combination. Uh, one, the first thing I really started focusing on was the wildflowers. Um, I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I would take the simple snapshots of the grand landscapes and everything, but that things that really interested me was the details. And I really loved how you can get that soft depth of field with like, you know, a low F, F number and um, taking close-ups of, of the different wild wildflowers is actually just like, wow, this is like really cool. Like this camera's freaking amazing. I don't know. So it was very, uh, very eye-opening. Yeah. And how would you describe uh, what your photography looks like now after being a sh- shooting for, I guess, six years now? How has it changed? So I'd say I've learned a lot and I'm still, I still have so much to learn. Um, <laughs> we all do, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, but I'd say it's, it's changed a lot. I've, the fun, the most fun thing for me is to go back through the archives and look at my old work and see how my shooting styles and my editing styles have changed over the span of the last six years. So um, I'd say I've, I've gotten, I've paid a little more attention to detail and things like composition and, um, you know, all those good elements and stuff. And, um, recently, I guess, um, I've changed my perspective a little bit more and, and focused actually more on more intimate landscapes, uh, using mm-hmm. kind of longer focal lengths. And I've, I, I definitely focused on the wide angle, you know, like, Oh, like, well, I thought wide angle lenses were just the coolest thing. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm looking through the camera and I can capture all of that in one shot where my field of view isn't even that wide. I thought it was incredible. So (laughs) yeah, me uh, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, but more recently, uh, I've, I've kind of strayed away from that and I, I found myself in kind of like a creative lull Hmm. and, uh, I, I just wasn't feeling, you know, the same inspiration, the same feelings, you know, of kind of joy that photography gives me when I first got into the craft and to kind of come step out of that creative rut, I find shooting different types of photography, whether it be time-lapse or experimenting with, you know, different focal lengths or even just going on a trip and restricting yourself to one lens and one focal length, like a prime lens is great for that. And just seeing what you can 
come up with uh, kind of helps you think out of the box and, and maybe come up with some new content and ideas. Yeah, I mean, necessity is the mother of invention, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, when I switched to uh, the Sony uh, platform, I intentionally got um, all prime lenses. And uh, first couple of trips out, I found it to be super frustrating. You know, like I was used to, you know, the Holy Trinity, the, you know, 14, 24, 24, 70, 70, 200. And basically just right. being able to shoot whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And I think at first, if you kind of limit yourself to that primal prime focal length scenario, it definitely limits you and it can be frustrating, but I think it also expands your creativity quite a bit as well. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. It's hard. I mean, it's, it is. <laughs> it, and like you said, frustrating is probably, you know, the, the perfect word. And you think, Oh, if I was a little bit wider, if I was a little bit tighter in the composition would be perfect. Right. But, yeah. I remember yeah, but, I was like, uh, I remember one time I was, I think it was my first backpacking trip with my, uh, 21 millimeter lens. And I found these really cool wildflowers with these mountains in the background. And the whole time I was just thinking like, Oh, if it was just like, 16 or 14 millimeter i could totally nail this shot <laughs> and i couldn't come away with anything usable it was really frustrating <laughs> oh bummer yeah that's not uh, that's not good yeah so you know it's it's definitely a fine line between oh uh, do i want to be a little bit you know push myself a little bit or do i want to you know do what's comfortable and, and come away with the shots i know i'm gonna i'm gonna nail but it's it's an interesting you know strategy and i usually just do it sometimes when, like I said, I, I just am not feeling inspired. Some something to just kind of get the creative juices flowing again. Yeah, I'm curious, kind of, uh, if you're you're sort of new to the whole intimate landscapes thing. I feel like there's an interesting dichotomy in terms of like what appeals to you as a photographer in terms of intimate landscapes and grand scenics versus what. Uh, kind of the general public finds aesthetically pleasing because I've found that a lot of people that used to love my grand scenics and my wide angle kind of panoramic type shots don't really seem to like the intimate landscapes nearly as much. And it's, you know, I like them, but uh, it's been really hard to convince people to like them. I don't know. As, what has your experience been so far? I've actually, yeah, I've had, pretty much the same exact experience and you know in, in terms of posting on social media and and what your viewers think i feel like everyone's a sucker for a nice grand landscape <laughs> um, yeah and i've i've seen that the intimate photos i've taken do not do as well mm -hmm. uh but i think from a personal perspective uh i'd enjoy them more and i think it leaves more room for you to really think about what is going on in this photograph. It makes you just think and scratch your head and say, what, what exactly am I looking at here? Rather than a wide angle photo, you include everything and anything in the field of view, which, you know, has its advantages, but I think, you know, it doesn't leave room for your viewer's mind to kind of wander and think harder about the image. I think an intimate landscape, they would take more time to spend thinking and look, looking at your image. Yeah, I agree. I feel like um, 
if you ask people to describe what they see in a grand scenic, it's usually uh, very uh, concrete. You know, it's a, oh, it's a beautiful scene with a great sunrise or whatever. But if you ask people to describe what they see in an intimate landscape, they come up with all kinds of stories and like emotions and feelings. It's, yeah, it's pretty, it's really interesting. And I, I feel like it's definitely a different art form in some ways. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's, I feel like it's definitely more artistic and I feel like you can make for some, I mean, in printing perspective, I think you can make for some really great wall art too. And it's, you know, it's very, it's more abstract oh, yeah. and stuff. And I, I, yeah, you, like you said, you know, I, I am pretty new to it actually recently on a, uh, a photo trip to death Valley. I, I went there with the intention of shooting intimate landscapes because it, this, it was at this point, this was last March. Um, okay. and that was on, this is my spring break. So my dad and I went down to Death Valley and right before the trip, I was just like, you know, I'm not, I'm just not really feeling it. Like I want to come away with some really good images that I'm proud of and that I really just enjoy. And, um, so I decided to ditch the wide angle for most of the trip with the exception of nighttime photos, you know, stars, uh, but for sunrise, sunset, I focused mainly with uh, 70 to 200. Um, if I had a longer focal length at the time, I definitely would have brought that too. Um, but it was, I don't know, I came away with images that I just really enjoyed. And, and it was just a lot more fun. Like I just had so much more fun trying to piece together a composition in this massive sea of sand dunes or in like <laughs> right. the Badlands. Just crazy abstract, you know, textures and patterns. You don't really get to see that unless, or, well, you get to see it, but you don't get to focus on it really unless you kind of hone in on those details with the telephoto lens. So, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it was kind of a cool way to get myself out of the box. Yeah. So I think that's really cool that you, you actually went there with the intention of shooting in that style, because I feel like for a lot of people and sometimes even for myself, it's almost like a backup plan, <laughs> you know, like, well, the light's not great and the plan that I had in mind isn't really working out. So I wonder what I can see with my telephoto lens right now <laughs> or something like that. So I think that's really cool that you went there with the intention of shooting in that style. I don't think a lot of people do that. Hmm. Yeah. Did you find yourself shooting a lot of like sand dunes and rock layers and things like that? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, basically every time I go to Death Valley, my first stop there is the Mesquite Flat Sand Dunes, um, just because it's such a classic area. And uh, I usually like to go, you know, spring or fall, uh, sometimes winter. But, uh, you know, there's there's still footprints all over the place, which is the one drawback of that area is there's just, it just flocks tourists. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, sun, I, my first morning there, I hiked out early and – uh, shot sunrise and that is definitely the start of the uh, intimate lands landscapes there and I actually got some of my favorite images on that morning uh, but just because it's it's I feel like the sand dunes I every time I go to, to sand dunes it's it's slightly different you come away with something slightly different it's not you know like you're rolling up to Yosemite Valley and shooting out at 
tunnel view where it's this kind of the same scene every time i feel like with more dynamic area like sand dunes or or the badlands which i also visited uh you can kind of just walk around and and just walk up to different compositions just jump right on them and um it's that's that's my one of my favorite things about uh especially death valley is just how different the area is now provided i feel like a lot of landscape photographers go there and shoot similar compositions and um there there still is some of that but i feel like there's still room for you know getting your own creative oh yeah work out of it yeah definitely i'm curious um having kind of started to transition and kind of what i guess uh you know what inspires you to take photos have you found that your motivation for why you go out to shoot has changed or has it always been the same? Like, are you shooting for yourself or are you shooting to uh, kind of, I don't know, like build a body of work, like kind of what is motivating you to to take photos and how have you seen that relationship change with your shift and what you're drawn to? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really great question. Um, I would say, my motivation for shooting started out solely just because I love to do it. Um, and that's (laughs) what it will always come down to for me is this is, you know, we're photographers and we do this because it's our passion and it is just absolutely so fun to get out there, take an image, come away with a piece of work, edit that image and share it with people. And it's just a great, it's just a great thing, great hobby or passion or even career to have um i'd say over the years it's definitely changed a bit Hmm. i think when i first got onto social media i would just post whatever i wanted and you know i'd I'd get some positive feedback and stuff so okay that's cool and then over the time i started growing a following and um i would see others work and you know there was a time i feel like we've all had this happen where we shoot to kind of please our viewers and shoot to kind of <laughs> yeah an anticipation of what you think they would really like and what's going to get the most likes and mm-hmm. give you the most positive feedback. And I feel like that there was a time where I, I was doing that. And, and after a while, it's just like, okay, well, you know, I can, I can continue shooting these traditional, you know, photo locations where there's literally tripod holes in the ground where people have stood before. And (laughs) I didn't really like that as much after a while because I figured, you know, this isn't really being creative as as creative as I could be. Um, You know, there is a degree of creativity, even in locations like that with how you still compose an image and um, process an image as well. But I really wanted to just focus more on my composition and how how I can just find unique perspectives that maybe people usually overlook. Um, and then, so I'd say I, I, probably around this coming year, I guess, or this past year, I've really just shot just because I want, I, I wanted, I wanted, I guess I, I just wanted to expand on my process as a photographer, I'd say there was a time, there's a period mm-hmm. of years where I was just kind of like in a lull and just kind of 
going through the motions. And I'd say my first few years of college, actually. Uh, so pretty recently, I was just like, you know, going through the motions. And I guess well, one thing about the college experiences, too, is that's a whole different, you know, that's like a full-time thing where, you know, you have your own schoolwork. And I didn't have much time to get out and shoot. So when I do go to those locations, I'm not really putting everything I have into it because right. I'm only there for a certain time. I don't have time to plan out photo trips and stuff like that. Um, but to get back to our kind of your question there, um, I'd say now I'm just shooting to just kind of experiment with different different techniques and stuff to, to grow as a photographer. Yeah, I'm, I feel like what you said earlier that we kind we kind of all go through that. I know I can't speak for other people, but I've definitely heard that before. And I know for me personally, uh, I definitely went through that phase myself. And, you know, it, it, it almost made photography not very fun, you know, like you were shooting for reasons that didn't make any sense. And I'm curious for you, how having recently gone through that shift, I guess, kind of two questions. One, what's kind of what were some of the drivers behind making that shift? And then two, uh, how have you seen making that shift impact uh, the way you think about photography, the types of images you produce? Like, how has it affected you as an artist? I'd say the biggest motivation from, I, I, I just wasn't, sat, it was kind of more of a personal satisfaction thing. I wasn't, there was a point where I was just getting fed up with kind of my workflow and my process. And I, I just wasn't quite satisfied with what I was getting. And I knew I can do better if I just really worked at it. I mean, when I first got into it, um, I would just spend hours behind the computer, just developing a style and just my overall knowledge and base of uh you know the photography fundamentals and uh i think there was a period where that kind of flatlined a bit and i decided you know i i know the i know the the basics and i'm just going to use what i know to continue shooting the images i know how to shoot and then there became mm -hmm. another point where i said okay well i'm kind of tired of doing that <laughs> and this this is kind of boring yeah exactly <laughs> and i realized oh it's time maybe it's time to move on to something a little bit different and i still landscapes are always going to be my biggest passion not only because they're really fun to shoot but it takes you to some pretty incredible places um yeah but i'd say yeah kind of that motivated me to kind of change my style and um, focus on kind of the images that evoke more of a, a accurate feeling, a representation of an area for me. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes those wider angle shots don't quite do that for me, but when I, you know, hone in on one area with a telephoto lens and say, yeah, that that shot really just kind of captures the essence of of what i was feeling on that particular mm -hmm. day i think what's interesting about intimate landscapes is that uh from a i guess 
composition and creativity perspective, it's not super easy to replicate, you know, like you can't look at someone's photo and say, oh, I'm going to go shoot that exact shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's pretty tough to do that with intimate landscapes. I mean, it's it's possible. Like if you, if it's a super recognizable tree or rock formation or something like that. Right, but, right, yeah. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's definitely a more creative uh, approach to photography or landscape photography specifically. Um, I am curious, uh, kind of following up on that second part of that question, like how has that shift made you feel as an artist? Like, are you finding that approach to be fulfilling? Are you seeing seeing how it's translated to your work either improving or getting worse? Like I'm curious kind of what your experience has been there. Uh and I can share what mine has been too. <laughs> it depends um on <laughs> what you define as worse. <laughs> From <laughs> right. a social media engagement perspective, I would say yes, it's getting worse, but I am not basing my quality of my work obviously on what other people think mm -hmm. at this point. Um, and I, I really think that kind of these different types of landscape images right now, it's, it's, I think, I think I've improved. I think there's more, more depth and emotion when looking at my, some of these images I got, especially the ones I got in death Valley. Uh, but that's just for me, you know, that's, that's, that is kind of just, helping me feel better about my images like I, I do feel more fulfilled like you said uh with these types of images you know it's not everyone's gonna like them and and the cool thing about intimates landscapes though is people can interpret them in different ways and that that's one thing I really like but uh yeah I'd say overall I I really think that this is definitely helping me progress a bit mm. with with kind of you know it's just it's just different um but i i really like it and i like that feeling of of you know knowing that oh this is pretty cool and this this is making me happy to be able to to do this this kind of different type of landscape photography that i'm not used to yeah but uh yeah i'd love to hear your perspective well yeah on what yeah i think it's uh I think that approach to photography requires a bit of fearlessness and apathy because I think as artists, a lot of us, um, you know, there's a part of a lot of us that kind of seek out that external validation. Like, is this stuff any good? Like, do people actually like this? You know, but it even, even on the stuff that you look at and you're like, I think that looks great. I love it. You still, I, I don't know about you, but there's still a part of me that's like, I, do people like it though? Cause mm -hmm. like, you know, art is, it's great if you create art and, but if you're the only person that likes it as the creator, I mean, I guess that's fine, but, uh, it, I don't know, for me personally, that would be kind of a letdown a little bit, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And, um, I think some of the, you know, if we're going back to intimate versus, uh, wider angles. I think people seem to connect more with the wider angle shots because they can envision themselves there right? and they can just have a better connection with that. Whereas the intimate, you're like, well, what am I looking at? Like, that's, that's cool, but right. <laughs> you know, I'm not I can't exactly put myself sure. there. 
Yeah. And it, you know, it depends on the person too, but, um, I'd say that's, that's a important part of it. And yeah, definitely getting, you know, people's approval and, and, uh, people saying, Oh yeah, you know, that's actually pretty cool. Like that's definitely helps your self-esteem and your confidence and, and with your photography and your work. So that's definitely important part. Uh, but I'd say overall, I've gotten to the point where it's like most of the time I I post some kind of abstract Death Valley stuff and it won't get the it won't, no one says anything negative about it, but it won't get like the the most pot of positive feedback compared to other wider shots. And I've I've just learned to be like you know it's okay. I like this image <laughs> and I like I'm gonna post right. it. So <laughs> yeah, and I think I think. Uh, <clears throat> what you bring up is a good point because I think as photographers and artists, I, th- I think we have to give our permission, give ourselves permission to like something that we've done and not really care what other people think about it. And that's okay. Right? Like if nobody else likes it, if, but you like it, that's totally cool. I mean, what's the point of doing it if, if you don't like it, you know, I, um, I think a lot of people fall into this rut where, you know, they're like we were talking about, they, they go out and they're looking for specific shots to please their audience or, or to build on their portfolio or to like, Oh, I know this type of shot will sell a print or whatever. Right. But if that's the only reason you're out shooting and it doesn't bring you joy, I would have to question whether or not you actually are enjoying the you know photography or if you're doing it which again if that's why you're doing it and you hate taking photos <laughs> i guess that's cool i just <laughs> i have a hard time personally wanting to do that myself <laughs> yeah i mean you know i i understand like people that go out and shoot the uh the traditional oh half dome shots and all of the typical places where the tourists flock like those, those are the images that are going to sell. Sure. Um, well, a lot of times those for, photos are still fun to take, right? Oh, of course. The, yeah. <laughs> no, no kidding. But I do understand like, even if, if like someone's, if someone for whatever reason didn't like taking like a certain pictures, like, you know, maybe not that specific example, but something along those lines where they just, you know, they, they, they didn't like that type of photography they're doing, but it's selling for them and it's kind of their bread and butter then I could kind of understand but at the same time like you know you you can still you can do that type of photography and get get those bread and butter type of shots and work but I feel like there's still room to kind of play around and experiment and and still post you know what you want to post and not care what others think yeah definitely I think I wish more people were just a little bit braver in that regard. Like, you know, go shoot for yourself, post it. If people like it, cool. If they don't, like, it's not going to tarnish your reputation as a photographer, I don't think, you know. Um, right. In some ways, I kind of, I mean, I know I'm not the target audience for a lot of photographers, but I personally kind of respect it more. Like, you're trying new stuff. Maybe it's not, quote unquote, as good as your other stuff, but it's cool to see I really, I personally really enjoy watching other people progress and kind of shift and learn and change and adapt. 
um, versus the people that kind of stick to the same types of shots for the, for, you know, over and over and over again. It's like the same old shot from that same person. You know, you see the photo and you're like, Oh, yep. That's a blah, blah shot from that person. I've seen him do that a thousand times. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's not that exciting to see that. I, I loved seeing people that, you know, risk, take risk and branch out and try different stuff and fail. And I think it's fun to watch. And it's, it, it's, it's, I think why I like it personally, it's, it's kind of inspiring. Like it's like, Oh, if they're doing it, then I can do that too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and to think about it, when you branch out and try, try something different and you know, you're really only progressing. Sure. You'll fail or maybe you tend to do, take some images that actually are not what you like to do, but then you say, okay, well, that's, I've done that. Now what's next? Like you're still progressing. You're still moving on. And, um, I think that's actually like a really important kind of quality to have is, is, you know, that you're going to have failures, but it's, it's learning from those and, and trying different things. That's, that's going to kind of help you grow. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll be right back to talk to Taylor more about his journey into social media First, we're going to check in with one of our patrons, Danny LaFrancois. Danny LaFrancois, thank you so much for uh, joining me for a quick chat about what's happening in your world. It's great to be back again. Yeah, so I I know a lot of people are interested in hearing about uh, the workshops that you provide up there in Banff. And uh, one of the things that that I was aware of is that you're kind of like a weather weather expert when it comes to uh, planning trips. And I know you do uh, single day, full day and multi-day trips for people. And I'm curious, kind of like if someone was really wanting to maximize their time in your area of Canada and taking a workshop, like how, why, why should they choose you? I've been living here now for... Uh, so coming up to nine years, and for the first, I want to say two years, I I worked a job that I worked in the evening, so I was out for pretty much every single sunrise, and nice. because of that, I got to know kind of what was happening with weather, where to not go for sunrise, because every single time I went there, it was a, a no-go, because that that location kind of shined after sunrise. So um, I have kind of an unlimited amount of locations in my mind to kind of to go to depending on what the weather's doing. So I'm at a point now where I can come around the corner from Canmore to Banff and see what the light's doing and see what the clouds are doing and know exactly where to go. Nice. Yeah. So, So when people book with you, I understand they're kind of like, I want a set itinerary for how we're going to do this. And my understanding is like, you do it a little bit different. Yeah. So especially if we're doing kind of um, a full day or a multi-day kind of uh, adventure, uh, those those types of adventures are very much, you can kind of, we can do what we want. So um, I, I look at what the weather's doing in different locations, what the clouds are expected to do, and just kind of local knowledge of, whatever the weather is saying sometimes doesn't happen and to kind of uh, know exactly where to go. Um, even if it's not exactly what we were originally planned, if someone did want a um, bit more rigid itinerary, um, I like to keep things a bit more flexible so that we can, uh, can kind of be at the best place at the best time and get the best shots possible. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's basically you're maximizing your client's opportunity to uh, realize and produce the best photography possible. Definitely, yes. That's awesome. That's that's kind of how I approach photography in general because I have very limited time to take photos. So if I if I look at the weather before like a weekend that I have free and it looks terrible in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish, I'm just going to maybe stay home and do something else. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of that's the benefit of kind of my my years of experience of living here and knowing kind of what happens. Cause I've been out going out for a uh, star photo uh, tour and we drove through a, uh, a rainstorm and my client was, we weren't too sure, but I'm like, it. we're good. We're good. I know this place. We're good. And then we got to um, where we needed to be and it was full uh, uh, sky stars. So it worked out. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's that's why that's why we pay the experts uh, that live in these locations to uh, to so that we can get the best results possible. So that's, I mean that's honestly that's why someone should go with someone like you who lives there and understands the place and is very intimate, intimately aware of kind of the weather and the patterns and all the things that they should know, so that when you arrive on scene, you don't have to think about it depending on you, you're going to take them to the best place possible. And it's going to be an amazing experience. Definitely. And I choose kind of different locations, depending on people's abilities, um, kind of skill wise, because there I do mm. have a kind of a few places that are somewhat self explanatory with composition and different kind of options. And that kind of helps people a bit learn a bit more about composition and how things work and how things flow. And, and uh, so I have, I have quite a lot of places I like to, um, to kind of share and, and, um, and show people. So if I were to go there, you would definitely take me to, to one of those spots. Definitely. We would not be going to Lake Louise. (laughs) (laughs) I was joking. I was like, you're going to take me to the most simple place possible so I can get it. That's awesome. Well, I I think that listeners should be really excited if they were ever to be in your area, like definitely look you up. How do how do people uh, learn more about what you have to offer and getting contact with you? Uh, I have everything listed on my website, uh, bampphotoworkshops.com. And I have a, a bunch of different options of uh, full day, which usually are sunrise, sunsets, um, for the Banff, at Lake Louise, Marine Lake, and Icefields Parkway area. And then the uh, night photography tours, which are about four-hour option for that one. And uh, full day and all the way up to 10-day adventures now. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Well, if I'm ever in the area, I'm definitely going to give you a call and be like, dude, let's do this. Awesome. <laughs> We can go to all the really awesome spots that I saved. Sweet. Well, thank you so much and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. Let's talk again soon. All right. All right. Let's get back to Taylor Gray and learn all about his adventures in social media. Thanks for tuning in to F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Well, one of the things that you kind of talked about when we were discussing all of that is kind of social media and engagement. And I'm curious, as as somebody who's um, a lot younger than a lot of our listeners and a lot of the people I've had on the podcast in the past, I'm curious, kind of, what does your relationship with social media look like? Um, I'm I'm wondering if it's a little bit more uh, accepting than some of us kind of older people are like, yeah, social media is cool, but I most most of the 
I think a lot of people just do it because it's kind of a necessity for a lot of people. But I'm curious, kind of what what do you yeah, think about so it? So the two main platforms I use are Instagram and Facebook. Um, and mm-hmm. Instagram for me in particular was really cool because I started probably a year before I got into photography around then Instagram really started to get popular. And when I first heard of Instagram, I said, okay, well this is, you know, this is an app for, you know, little girls to post their selfies online and, and share with their friends. <laughs> like what, what I'm not going to, what am I going to, why do I need to download this app? <laughs> this, I had the same reaction. Like, why well, I'm not going to use that app to yeah, take pictures. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I actually found, um, as it kind of developed and, and it used to be an app where you actually, you know, Instagram, you take a picture right then and there and you share it right then and there. And then they added a, a feature where you can upload photos from your camera roll and start sharing, um, other photos that are not taken right there in the app. And that's when I kind of just started getting into photography and I started posting some of my just kind of still life, you know, around the town kind of photos. Um, and I got some like pretty good feedback on it. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, uh, good platform. <laughs> and then I just, all of a sudden, like I just discovered all these other photographers. So I was just in the Bay area so I discovered all these other photographers that were posting from the Bay Area. And this there was just this sense of community in the Bay Area on Instagram um, of all these photographers, like, you know, commenting and and uh, sharing their their photos and, and tips and tricks and stuff with each other. And it was just like it was it was so cool. It was like, look at all these people I like, have similar interests to me and um, this is awesome. And I actually got to, you know, meet up with a lot of them and, um, shoot with them and I learn a lot from them. And granted, most of these guys were like twice or three times my age, but that didn't really matter at all because we just had that, uh, you know, the, the similar passion for photography. And I learned a lot from, from all of these people. Um, and even the online community on Instagram was great. Like I'll go back and, and look at like one of my images and <laughs> it has in better, better engagement back then when I had a smaller amount of followers than I have now. <laughs> and I think that goes to tell you, like, it was like, it was different. I think Instagram was, was a lot different, um, back then than, than what we see today. Yeah. I think they've definitely tweaked the algorithms quite a bit. Um, and you know, that's one of the unfortunate kind of realities and challenges of all social media's social media platforms. Yeah. It's just it's just hard to stay relevant. There's just so many eyeballs, so many people competing and um yeah, it's just hard to stand exactly. out. Exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> true and uh what's interesting is, you know, for whatever reason on Instagram my engagement has just kind of flatlined over the past few years and it used to bug me a lot because I was like, well, I'm, I'm posting all this work and but my follower count is just like steady as a rock. It's actually even dropping in some cases. Like, I was like what what <laughs> am I doing wrong? And I would look at once the the business tools came out uh, for business accounts on Instagram, I I would see that 
oh, well, Instagram is deciding to only show, you know, my post to a fraction of my followers. And I guess that's the reason why. And I don't really know why, but that's just the way it is. And I've kind of accepted that. And I think as that started to happen, I started to use social media and, and Instagram less. Um, Mm -hmm. and same kind of thing with Facebook is I would post, I would post on my Facebook photography page and the engagement for that is just, you know, Oh, that's abysmal. (laughs) I, I think part of it, you know, like you said, they changed the algorithms and, um, really it's just, they want you to pay to promote your work. And once you pay to promote your work, they give you, you know, better engagement and then you stop paying for it and then it goes back down to that same thing and they want you to keep keep doing that. And it's smart of them, but it's just very kind of frustrating for, you know, photographers for you and me who don't really want to spend that money and 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 want to just have your entire audience see your work without, you know, getting kind of shut down, you know, where they only show it to a fraction of your fans. So it's, it's interesting, you know, it's. It is interesting, but I think it's almost, you know, for a lot of people uh, without social media, most people wouldn't know who we were, (laughs) you know? And (laughs) so it's kind of a, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way. Yeah. And, you know, most people probably wouldn't have the amount of work that they get, you know, social media is, is now is, it can be a good source of income for some people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Are, are you leveraging social media in that way? Or are you mostly just using it as a platform to share? Are you trying to monetize or kind of what's, what's, what, how do you yeah, use it? So, um, I usually, yeah, I usually use it as a platform to share. Sometimes I'll partner with, um, companies and this is actually this is actually interesting because i just put a it's a post up about i got i get emails all the time in my inbox saying oh become the influencer for our company you know blah 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 yeah. and you know we'll we'll give you a 25 dollar gift card for a an instagram post and a story i'm like well this is just spam first of all and second of all that's not really worth the energy for that and it's i i just kind of basically asked people like what what are your thoughts on the influencer kind of culture that's <laughs> developed in this day and age where where people are kind of just throwing around products from these companies that they've don't really know about and they're just shoving random products down their followers throats. And it's like, well, that's, that's great. And after a certain point though, what, when, when do your followers say, okay, well, I've kind of had enough of that and kind of clicked that unfollow. Right. Button. It's yeah, it's, definitely. There's a difference though. If, if you, if you believe in a company and you really enjoy using their products or, or right. their services, then that is completely different. I'd say, yeah, go go advertise that because it's something you use and you think it's going to help, you know, other people who are also in the profession. And I'd I'd say go for it and and do that. Yeah, it's funny. I just uh, a couple of days ago got an email from a place that wanted to partner with me to be an influencer. 
And uh, I was like, okay, send me your info. What do you got? You know, and it was interesting, I guess, but it was like, I cannot see myself ever taking advantage of any of these things. And what you're asking for in return is just a waste of my time. So no, like whatever happened to just hiring people to take photos for you, you know, like exactly, yeah. just pay me if you like my, if you like my work and you want me to take a picture of your place or your product or whatever, like happy to do that. Pay me some money. Good to go. But they want that. They want, they want to piggyback on your follower account and your, the natural engagement that you have as a photographer. And I think if more people thought of it as just being used, like, cause that's really what you are, you're being used, you know, yeah. like, you know, demand a little bit more for your time and your, and your services. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, know, know your value, know, know the value of your work and, and stick to it. And it'll, it'll weed out the companies that are, like you said, just trying to use you and, you'll get respect from the companies that, you know, actually do are interested in your work and, and, and like your, your style. So it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely an interesting time. I don't really, so when it comes to monetization of social media, I don't really go down that road of the influencer road <laughs> where I know some photographers do. And, um, I'm not trying to bash on that in any way. Um, sure. But I'm just, that is just not what I'm quite interested in. So I'd say in terms of work though, with social media, I kind of share my photos, um, in an attempt that it'll reach the right people. Cause a lot of my work does come through, uh, people who find me on Instagram and, and they will kind of inquire and I have my email up there and they can shoot me an email and say, Oh yeah, like I saw, you know, your video on, um, Instagram, like, can we use that for this? And I say, yeah, well, here's my licensing fee and, and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and I think that sort of method where you share your work and in hopes of people find you works really great for like outdoor lifestyle stuff in kind mm -hmm. of like landscape. Like if you have, a person in there or um, I know some really great accounts uh, that, you know, have just people in every one of their shots, but it's like in a landscape, which I think is pretty cool, but they do great because they have all these outdoor companies that they want, that want to work with them because of their, their style and that type of shot. Whereas I like doing that as well, but I also love sharing my traditional landscape work. So it's kind of like a, a mix. Yeah. Part. And I don't know, for me, some of that, some of that stuff feels so contrived to me, you know, it's, uh, like some of the stuff you see on some of those accounts, it's like, you're never going to encounter somebody dressed like that in that <laughs> environment. Like, it's just not how it works. Yeah. You know? Like, so I think if it's done kind of in a natural way, like, oh yeah, here's a person wearing a pair of hiking boots on a hiking trail. And they really love that brand of hiking boots because they fit their feet well or whatever. Like that, that makes sense. But if it's like, look at this person in a, this style of dress or a fedora, like just doesn't make sense. You know, like I feel like, I don't know, are most consumers really that stupid? Like, oh, I can see myself wearing a fedora in that scene. No, you can't. That's just I, 
called bad marketing on the company's part because they don't really yeah i <laughs> you have you have a very solid point because there are some photos i'm just like scrolling through like it's just ridiculous <laughs> right like no one's that's that's not real like you know you see those accounts uh like i love that instagram account where you did not sleep there yeah yeah where they show like people that have prop these ridiculous scenes and they have like bottles of wine in these tents where it's obviously like photoshopped and it, you know you know it's like that's like a 20 mile backpack because i've been there and you have two bottles of wine up there seriously like <laughs> no come on man yeah yep. it's I, just it funny and you know sometimes the ridiculousness of it is actually works in their advantage because kind of makes you stop and think like I mean, look at that. They got us talking about it, right? They got us talking about that right, type of exactly. <laughs> photography. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, it is it is like kind of a head scratcher <laughs> for some of those. I mean, it's I don't know. I'm a I'm a fan of authenticity. Oh, too, you know, like sure. just 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 make it real, you know. Like I can envision, you know, seeing someone with uh an actual outdoor product. Like if it's a tent product, like you're I don't know, promoting a big Agnes tent and you're actually on a backpacking trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, you know, but uh, I don't know. Or a six man REI tent on a 40 <laughs> mile backpack trip. Probably not, probably yeah. not realistic. Exactly. So I mean, unless you have a horse or something. <laughs> yeah. You got a, a mule, <laughs> a Sherpa. Exactly. Well, it's good to hear that uh, even the young, the young folks feel like uh, social media is, uh, at least frustrates you a little bit because I feel like that's a pretty common complaint that photographers and creators have that social media has kind of become this game that you can't win for a lot of people. So that's a good analogy. Um, it's good to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it feels yeah. sometimes. I don't know. It's funny you're talking about Instagram, and I went back and looked at my feed, and I actually haven't posted a photo on there since June oh. 14th, which is like a month hey. ago. Good for and you. I, I yeah, don't care good for you. That's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, whatever. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I think as a full-time college student, you kind of have some of the same challenges that us working stiffs that have 40 hour a week jobs have, where, you know, you have very limited time to spend in the outdoors and to maximize, uh, the trips you take to take photos. You're often kind of faced with, these decisions that are kind of hard to grapple with, like, okay, do I want to visit as many places as possible and many scenes as possible? Or do I want to just focus in on one particular area and really just crush that? Like what is kind of your approach to uh, maximizing your time on shorter photo excursions? Yeah. So that I'd say that varies based on the location. Um, But I recently took, a trip to uh, Europe over the last, let's see, last winter. And um, I was basically hopping around from country to country every two days. And it was for 10 days. So it was very fast paced and I got to see a lot. But then there's that thing. It's like, do I want, is that, is that what I'd rather do? Would I rather see more places and just whatever conditions are in that place I'm stuck with and then I got to move on? Or would I rather just visit one place and really just dive into the environment and what 
what's around me and really just get a feel for that and come up with some really great images from there. And that is always the struggle. I feel like it comes when it comes to photo trips. Um, and I'd say most of the time I opt for seeing, I, it's just what happens is I, I, I try to see as many places. If it's a new place I'm visiting, I try to see as much of it as I can and for the first trip. And if I want to go back and visit a specific place, then I'll spend as much time as I can there to kind of, if I have a certain shot in mind, I'll wait for conditions to align or I'll kind of look at the forecast before heading out. Or, But, you know, sometimes you don't get that choice, especially when going abroad. And there's just so many different, so many different things you could do and, and shoot and paths you could go down. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's, I feel like spending one time in one area for a lot of time is, is a discipline. It takes discipline. And I'm not yeah, always really the does. best at doing that. I don't, I'm kind of restless and I want to like, oh, well, all right, well, I know I have a shot. Like it's an okay shot. I know it could be better, but I also want to go and see this. So have you ever, have you ever had that kind of feeling? Yeah. I mean, I recently, not super recently, but back in late March, early April, I did a pretty big uh, trip to the Southwest. Um, and a lot of, it was kind of cool because the group I went with, we were kind of open-ended and didn't really have a set plan in terms of the destinations, but we had kind of a shot, not a shot list, but like a destination list. And we kind of just, every day we were like, okay, do we want to stay here? Or do we want to go to this place? And um, I kind of like that, uh, I don't know, like if you have two or three people, three, four people you're on a trip with and you kind of just by democracy, like you get an opportunity to kind of make your case for what you're interested in shooting and what makes the most sense in terms of the weather that's coming or the conditions or where the moon's at or whatever. Um, I kind of like I kind of like the idea of kind of being super flexible. And if 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 you get to a location and and there's just something about that location that really resonates for you. Like, you know, take, take an extra day or two and, and really explore it and really get to know it. And, um, I think often we get into this trap where we want to see as many places as possible. And I think, I think, and sometimes I think that can actually be a detriment because the more time you spend at a place, the more familiar it becomes, the more you kind of get a sense of, what it's like to be there. You kind of get more connected to that place. And I feel like that tends to kind of come through in your photos. So um, I'm kind of a plan, more of a fan of uh, trying to get more familiar with a specific place rather than trying to hit as many kind of shot lists or things like that as you can, but it can be hard, especially if you're in a group. Yeah, you know? no, I, I totally feel that. And I feel like when we're, we're rushing around all the time, um getting from point a point b point c it's you you don't have the opportunity to kind of soak in what's around you and often i'll like look back on my photos and be like i don't really have like a good picture in my mind of what this whole area was like like really the only thing i really have to remember by this like this area by is my photographs and it's like i if i had just taken you know, an extra day or two and just kind of patiently waited, I would have been able to kind of just have a better experience and really just get to 
know the area more. Um, and that kind of comes in with time lots. That's why I do time lots photography as well as mm. I really enjoy it. it. It forces you to be patient. And as your, <laughs> your cameras are running, doing their time lapse, you can kind of just sit back and be like, hey, well, I mean, this place is pretty cool, you know? Where <laughs> right. If you're rushing around, your your nose is stuck behind the camera the entire time and you're seeing everything through your viewfinder. So I, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I think, you know, there's pros and cons to both approaches, but uh, if I think back on my my photos and kind of the ones that, resonate for me more personally for myself you know kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier um, not necessarily what the viewers like but kind of what resonates more for me I think more of them came out of uh, scenarios where I kind of took my time and spent spent a little extra time at a place and kind of just got a a better idea of it and maybe revisited it for uh, two or three four or five times uh, depending on kind of what kind of scenes you can find Um, I don't know. Have you ever shot a white pocket? I have not, no. I've actually, yeah, yeah so, I've, I've been wanting to get out to that area for the longest time, but haven't had the chance yet. Yeah, so I went there the first time uh, back in March. And uh, going into it, I had pretty low expectations, just kind of, you know, you've probably everyone's kind of seen like the same three or four shots or similar shots with the brain rock and, you know, like, I don't know. Just looking at photos online, you kind of get the sense that it's, there's not much there. Um, but man, it is one of the coolest places I've ever been. Like I found myself wanting to spend five or six days there, just, just going back to similar spots in the area and just really finding new and interesting compositions. And, um, it's just kind of one of those places that lends itself well to, to deep exploration, but it's, it's, it's kind of funky because it's, I don't know the exact land mass, but it's, I want to say it's like a square mile, you know, really? maybe something like that. Wow. Maybe a little less than that, maybe half square mile, but I mean, it's bigger than you think it would be. Um, and there's just a lot of really funky and crazy cool stuff there, especially if you like intimate landscapes. It's, I mean, it's just a, it's a nut house. <laughs> yeah, um, I bet. I was really surprised at how much, cool stuff there was there to explore and and really just kind of play with different ideas and it's kind of one of those places i think that it's really good if you want to just really focus on one right. spot it's it's kind of the, those areas that just make you not want to leave it's yeah those are like my favorite uh, i recently let's see the end of or no beginning of june i, I went down to redwood national and state parks and for the first time oh, and yeah. the rhododendron was blooming and oh the, yeah uh, nice. which i was a big surprise to me i didn't know that it only happens about a month window out of the year so i was like happy surprise and there was fog on this day so it was just like surreal to me and i i spent like six hours on the same trail just photographing different angles and it wasn't like a big super long trail but as you like you said it's just surprising what how much it's, you can kind of just find in, in one one area and you really just want to spend the majority of your time whether you know the southern oregon coast with with samuel h borden yeah. and and uh bandon beach and 
all of that is just a few hours drive up. But I really just wanted to spend most of my time down or down there, and <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's those it's those areas like that that just really kind of hard to come by sometimes. And once you find them, you just don't want to leave. Well, and I think too, um, when you find a place like that, uh, I think it really can stretch you creatively in terms of uh, you know you're no longer trying to find that uh, epic landscape shot that you've seen before. You're you're really kind of, you know, searching the place out, getting to know it. Like you, it really starts to stretch you as an artist. And um, I don't know, I think some of your, for me personally, some of my best and some of my worst <laughs> photos come out of those kind of situations, but um, definitely some of the most fun you can have. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, I guess one, one other topic I was, hoping we could talk a bit about uh, kind of tying on to uh, you being a college student. Um, I'm kind of curious where you see yourself heading professionally because, uh, you know, you know, you're very talented and uh, you know, you're, you got some great photography and I'm kind of curious having a a college degree in marketing kind of, where do you see that going for you? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, That's a, you know, that's a very good question. And something I ask myself all the time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What do I want to be when I grow up? (laughs) Exactly. You know, ideally pursuing uh, landscapes, photography, I'm sorry, not landscape, um, just kind of outdoor or commercial photography and video. I've actually really dived into video um, the past year or two. So I've, I've really gotten into that. Um, that is, I, that's the ideal situation is, you know, being a freelance, having enough freelance work to, to comfortably support myself and getting the opportunity to travel and all of that. That is absolutely the dream. Um, right out of college, however, you know, I might be looking for a little bit more financial you know, stability to pay off student loans and um, things like that. And I've been in contact with like a few production companies and stuff. And I don't know, video, I'm actually really interested in the video. And I, I know a lot of video work is what clients are working, like outdoor commercial work clients are working or looking for. And um, maybe, you know, spending a year or two or, or more at, uh, at a production company, just learning all I can about the business and the industry is, is, uh, is maybe where I'm, I'm headed right out of college. Um, and I, I chose marketing as my major because I really wanted to learn kind of how the advertising and how that kind of sort of a, sort of a, that part of the business works. Um, I knew, you know, when I'm trying to declare a major for school, like, do I want to do photography? Do I want to, do I want to pursue film or business? And I chose business because I think it's good to have those kind of background skills um, in any any kind of work you do. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm actually learning a lot of great uh, things in my marketing degree that I can apply to my own business, um, which is kind of what I was going for. So I really enjoy what I'm studying. 
Now, a lot of this things I'm learning is more focused towards the uh, uh, corporate side of the marketing world. You know, you're working mm-hmm. for a marketing mm-hmm. firm or you're working as a marketing, you know, a marketing position for a company. Um, but there are still like tons of skills that I can apply to my own business and my own work, um, which is basically why I really wanted to get into into that topic. So it's it's been helpful for sure. And um, hopefully I can... <laughs> take advantage of what I'm learning and, and help propel my business forward, which I've already kind of been doing. And it's, it's really great because they, in the college of business, um, they really stress your connection and your relationship with clients and forming mm-hmm. those kind of long-term trust-based relationships with them where you get to the point where the, you know, they continue to go back and work with you all the time. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's what it's all about in the freelance world is is finding those clients that will you know continue to work with you and supply you with work. You know, you're still doing freelance stuff. You're still doing all sorts of different kind of jobs and for for different clients and stuff. But having a few of those big clients that kind of like your bread and butter work, I think that that is pretty key to uh, to being successful. Yeah, I think. I think you, you're pretty smart for trying to kind of tie those two things together because I think you're going to have a huge advantage over most artists in this field that um, I feel like a lot of the really successful artists, photographers, videographers, uh, either naturally or through education, have a really good business sense and background. And I think that's honestly almost more important than the artistic side in some ways because... Um, you could be the most artistic person in the world, but if you don't have a, if you don't have a good idea of how you're going to actually uh, leverage uh, and market what you're producing and 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 produce value for your customer, it doesn't really matter. So um, right. I think that's really smart. <laughs> or yeah, or you can take average landscape photos and and sell them for six and a half million dollar prints. <laughs> you can do that as well. <laughs> you can. You could. You could be the next Peter Lick, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why, you know, marketing is, I I see uh, I see work all the time where I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's pretty good work, but I, I know photographers that do a lot better than that, and I know they could do a lot better, but they just, you know, they don't have the, the same connections or they don't have, you know, like you said, the same business sense and that's what i'm trying to learn about it's so huge yeah right um and i don't know some people just get lucky i feel like but for the most part um people that are successful for you know if if you're stringing together several years of success it's probably not due to luck it's due to your business savvy so um i think that's good on you man (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's all uh right now it's kind of all open-ended as I feel like a lot of freelance work, you know, you'll have a job that'll pay you three months rent and then you won't get another job for three months, <laughs> you know, right. that kind of deal. And successful That's freelance tough. work is, you know, you're not living that way. You're just getting work consistently to where it's right. full time all the time. Um, but you're still on your own hours and your own schedule 
yeah, it's it's different, and I don't know where I'm gonna go yet, but I'm I'm trusting that I'll figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, good luck, man. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so uh, who do you think our listeners would like to hear on the podcast? Okay. Yeah, so I really like uh, Bruno Pisani's work. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty cool. I mean. Uh, I first followed him, I don't know, several years ago, and some of the the landscapes and, and the mood in his images are just really, really inspiring. So, yeah, I like his stuff. Uh, too. Yeah, I'd say uh, Casey McAllister. Um, I actually really enjoy his work, and he's got a very cool style that that I'd, I I like, and it'd be cool to to for him to talk about some of his Colorado images and. I think people would, would like to hear from him. Yeah, and it, he's very opinionated too, and I think that makes for a fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You could have a good old debate. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, Taylor, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and just kind of on, opening up honestly and kind of just sharing kind of your thoughts on the state of photography and kind of kind of what your journey looks like right now so i really appreciate Thanks for it. having me matt it's it's yeah it's been it's been great to talking with you cool well thanks to taylor for taking the time out of his busy schedule to join me on the podcast i really appreciate you my friend i am really excited to see what you are able to produce in the coming years as an artist you certainly have a great eye for subject and mood keep it up hey you yes i'm talking to you I need your support over on Patreon to keep this thing alive. We have over 80 bonus episodes over on Patreon for anyone supporting the show at the $5 a month level. So check it out and keep the show going. I really appreciate it. All right, I want to talk to you about who's coming up on the podcast. I recently recorded with Waihao uh, Pan from China this, uh, this morning, and I look forward to releasing that one next week. We also have uh, Ryan Smith and Dustin Lefebvre joining us soon to talk all about the Outsiders Photography Conference in Kanab, Utah next year. And I'm also really looking forward to recording with Paris Shailat in person from her home in Montana. That should be a really interesting episode for sure. All right, well, I'd like to give a special thank you to the incredible, amazing people that we like to call our Patreon podcast producers. We do a monthly or every other month uh, Google Hangout uh, with our Patreon podcast producers uh, to talk all about the direction of the show and uh, to just do a Q&A and kind of just get to know the host. So it's, it's been a lot of fun hosting those. If you want to join in on that, um, you can contribute on Patreon at the $20 a month level and higher. So let's thank those individuals. We have Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, Jason Matias, David Kingham, Anton Everine, Laurie Berenson, William Nurse, Ken Dono, Denny LaFrancois, James Bacavoy, Matthias at Photomagica, Richard Wong, Zachary Smith, Gary Randall, Frank Otto Peterson, and our newest member, Michael Rung. Thank you guys so much. I cannot do the podcast without your support. I really appreciate it. 
And uh, if I haven't heard from you in a while, feel free to reach out. Um, I love talking to you guys. All right. Well, thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.